Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your Hello, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin. John chapter 3 beckons. It does. I'm loving this uh, reading through the book of John. I just got to tell you real quick. Tell me. I'm loving reading through this book of John. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, good. Good, good. I, I didn't know if there was more you wanted to say, but I'm glad you repeated it. <laughs> no, it's, it, it has been really good, and I've appreciated this time through trying to pick out and make a lot of those Old Testament allusions and oh, yeah. connections. Tons. It's very rich. Lots. And then also just emphasizing, hey, this is the gospel written for that second and third generation Christian. I think so. It's really helpful to remember the people reading this, they they kind of get it. They kind of know the story. Yes. Uh, and yet different aspects are being emphasized to edify them and uh, and to speak to that culture as well as our own. Plenty of evidence throughout John that John is writing to people he expects to already know the story. But we even see evidence of that in this chapter in verse 24 when, at least as the ESV puts it in parentheses, for John had not yet been put in prison. Mm-hmm. Our author, John, realizes the people reading this already know John the Baptist ends up in prison prison and beheaded and beheaded. And so he here he wants to explain why John is still teaching. Yeah, he know I know you guys already know he ends up in prison. So I'm letting you know he's not there yet. Yeah. So yeah. We, we see that evidence. John kind of knows we we know the story. Yeah. And so, uh, you know what? There's going to be a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There's going to be things that are. Hey, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm actually under underneath this story, giving you some evidence that's not always stated. Yeah, and so that's a that's a good thing to bring out. So uh, then, also, I'm just loving reading John because John chapter three, you know, this discussion with Nicodemus by night. We're going to dig in a little bit deeper in that first sermon, if you will, between Jesus and uh, and a questioner. Although maybe it wasn't a question. It becomes a question. How can a man be born again when he is old? But I get ahead of myself. So I'm going to read John chapter three. And verses 1 through 15. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven, 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Again, where we end up in this teaching of Jesus to Nicodemus is having eternal life. Mm -hmm. We talked yesterday about how that begins. If what I want is life, that's going to begin with birth. Here it's beginning with rebirth. Yesterday we recognized that rebirth takes place through water and spirit. Spirit. And that is the way God has always worked. In fact, should have noticed creation, water and spirit, recreation, water and spirit, the birth of God's nation, water and spirit. It should not then surprise us when Jesus comes along and says, if you want to be in the kingdom, you've got to be born through water and spirit. And then we see baptism taking place, Mm -hmm. water and spirit taking place in that initiation rite, that that dying with Jesus in baptism and being raised to walk in new life. Well, and I think initiation is maybe a great word to mention and think about for just a moment as you're drawing the connection to God's chosen people of the first covenant of the law of Moses coming through the Red Sea. Yes. And then that's going to be perpetuated by birth, right? There's hereditary, excuse me, heredity, the sign of circumcision and so forth. But now there's going to be a way for all peoples to be born into this people of God. To be born of the will of God. Correct. Back in John 1, that's what he talked about. He talks about a birth according to the will of God, and now Jesus brings it back. Here's this birth according to the will of God. Mm -hmm. It's not about who your daddy is. It's not about who your mom is or your grandparents. It's not about what what land you were born in. It's about will you be reborn Mm -hmm. according to water and spirit, by water and spirit, and Nicodemus completely misunderstands. He does. He completely misunderstands. And Andrew, what I want to share with you is this sets the stage. I just say something. I just had a thought. Well, tell me, tell me your thought, and then I'll okay, say just, what I was going to say. Which was real quick thought. Throw, so throw it out there. Here's here's what we're throwing out there. Okay, so we've been talking about the prophet and looking for the prophet, and could this one be the prophet? Yeah. And where does Nicodemus begin? No one can do these signs except one from God. From God. Yes. Okay. So here's the power. Here's the sign. Yes. What's the message? What's the message of the prophet? The message of the prophet is be born again of water and the spirit to enter this kingdom. Yes, here's the message of the prophet. John places the confession in Nicodemus' mouth. Here's a teacher of Israel Mm -hmm. that is admitting we've seen lots of signs and it sure makes sense to us that anybody doing these kinds of signs must really be from God. Yeah. That is going to be one of the, I mean, that is the question that we're trying to answer as we go through. Are are these signs, do they really make sense that these are the signs that God would allow some testing prophet Mm -hmm. to do? Or are these the signs God's going to have his prophet do? Right, And Nicodemus has seen signs, which, by the way, means there's been more than one. Hmm. There's been all kinds of signs up to this point, despite Hmm. how John counts them. There's been all kinds of signs. Uh, Nicodemus, is there any reason to believe Nicodemus was at the wedding to see that one sign? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm trying to remember that, that episode the of The Chosen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if he was there or not, Edwin. I have to rewind my DVD. There, there's uh, mixing some technology. I just yeah, rewind the DVD. Yeah. I, I, I kid. Do, I kid. I know you kid. I, kid. I do think in The Chosen they brought him in. I, 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 I think they did. He was did, kind yeah. of a he was kind of a big deal in that first season. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, maybe in the chosen. There's no indication in Scripture that he was there, so let's let's keep that in mind. But Nicodemus completely misunderstands what this prophet has said. He said, I, "I know you're a teacher from God because you wouldn't be able to do these signs unless you're a teacher from God." 
So Jesus starts teaching him, and he doesn't yeah. get it. He doesn't yeah. understand it. But then we get a clue, and I, I guess I want to share with you something that just as we're reading through this Gospel of John, okay, a clue for our readership of that, because John repeatedly uses as a rhetorical device people misunderstanding Jesus. You know, you mentioned that yesterday. And so I, I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. You, you see lots of misunderstandings. It happens over and over okay. again. For okay. instance, the Samaritan woman is going to misunderstand what the living right. water is. Yes. The people that Jesus feeds, the 5,000, mm-hmm. they're going to misunderstand what the bread the of bread, heaven and yeah, what it means yeah. to eat the body and drink the blood yeah. of Jesus. We're going to find over and repeatedly when he... well he. He's going to talk here about being lifted up like Moses or or like the serpent by Moses. There's going to be misunderstanding there. Uh, Just once and again, we find people misunderstanding what Jesus is talking about. We already saw him talk about the temple of his body. And they misunderstood that. They did. That's right. They so we'll, we'll see that again. So let, let me just let me see this. Is your take on this that when Jesus was teaching, there really was this kind of confusion in the crowds? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of emphasized as a literary right. device I think, or I think a rhetorical John, device. Sure, I don't think John's making stuff up. Okay. I don't. I don't think okay. John is just making things up in order to ha- have a rhetorical device. I think people okay. misunderstood Jesus. Okay, and you know, like this. John uses the signs as a rhetorical device. Yes, he does. But I think the signs really happen. Oh, yeah. If absolutely. the signs didn't yeah. really happen, then they're no good as a rhetorical device. Right, right. I think these confusions and these misunderstandings and these questions really happened. And what John does is capitalize on those in order to give explanations. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he doesn't give the explanation. Sometimes it's just, oh, we as the readers are figuring this out. Oh, they misunderstand but I'm getting it. Mm, I'm mm. getting it, which allows me as the reader to to have that place of, all right, I'm drawing closer to Jesus. I'm learning more about Jesus yeah. while I witness the misunderstandings of these others. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's what happens in this particular event. I think John, through Jesus, through what happens between Jesus and Nicodemus, actually gives us some insight into how to read this book. Again, I believe this conversation really happened. I believe that John is giving us the gist of Jesus' teaching with Nicodemus. And what he says in verse 12, well, back up, verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, bearing witness to what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things. Mm -hmm. And this contrast between earthly things and heavenly things, I think, is the center of how we can understand and read the Gospel of John properly. Mm. Now, in the context here, I think probably when Jesus is referring to the earthly things, he's referring back to the illustration of the wind that he just used. Yeah. And basically, he's saying to Nicodemus, look, if I'm going to tell you about this earthly thing to try to help you understand and you're not going to get it, how would you get it if I just told you the heavenly things? Yeah. Yeah. But what we see here is that Jesus, while using earthly metaphors, mm-hmm. is actually giving heavenly meaning. Okay. And what's happening with these misunderstandings again and again and again is that people give Jesus' words earthly meaning. Mm-hmm. Ah, destroy this temple in three days. and or Destroy this temple and in three days I will build yeah, it. And they're like, they, oh, you're going to wreck Herod's temple. You're talking about this earthly building. Yeah. And you're talking about rebuilding it. No, no, heavenly meaning. I'm talking about the temple of my body, the sacrifice, the the tabernacling with men. That's what Jesus is talking about. The Samaritan woman, 
He says, if you'd have known who I was, you'd ask for water and I'd have given you water that you'd have never been thirsty again. Oh, give me that water so that I don't have to come back to this well. The whole time she misunderstands. Right. And he's like, not that water. Not that water. He's talking (laughs) about a heavenly water. When he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, they give it an earthly meaning. And honestly, when you give it an earthly meaning, it's kind of gross. Yeah. You understand why they were turned off a little bit. A little scary. But Jesus points out the heavenly meaning. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to be in the know, Mm-hmm. As we're reading through this Gospel of John, as we see these misunderstandings, we see John is giving us a clue through this conversation with Nicodemus. Listen to Jesus with a heavenly ear. Okay. Keep your eyes and your ears and your heart focused on things above, not on things below, and you'll come much closer to understanding what Jesus is talking about. And I think that's really important for us as we are, I mean, essentially toward the beginning of our look at at John's gospel, as we've taken a look at just the first of the signs, and now we're going to be moving through. But this is is heavenly stuff. This is not earthly stuff. So when I think about this in connection to this discussion here about being born again of water and spirit, you, you have this physical or material act of being immersed in water and coming up out of water. Yes. But there's a spiritual reality. Heavenly reality. That is happening as well. Yes. In that act. Yes, absolutely. Earthly, heavenly. You know, interestingly, uh, part of the confusion here for Nicodemus, just to get a little technicality going on here, is that the word that Jesus uses that Nicodemus takes as again Mm-hmm. Which so Jesus we we've all heard unless you're born again. Unless you're born that's again. what our translators put there, and the reason our translators put it there is because that's how Nicodemus takes it. He wait, what are you telling me? We're going to go back into the mother's womb and be mm-hmm. born a second time. But this word is very interesting because not only can it mean again, it can also mean from above. above yeah. Which actually in John three thirty one we're going to see that. Yeah. We're, we're going to see talking about the one who is from above, above. and th- and that same word is going to be used there. So part of the problem here is well, here's a word that's got you know, it's vague in its meaning, and yeah. Nicodemus takes it one way. Jesus likely means it another. Well, it's interesting too because in verse thirteen, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. Yeah. You have one coming from above. It is a birth that is from above. Mm-hmm. Again, now I mean it is going to be a second birth for us. So sure. so saying born again is not wrong. Correct. But it is being born again this time. From, from above. above. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, what we need to from, see here. Yeah, heavenly. Anyway, very good, very in, cool. Yeah, let's pursue the heavenly meaning. Let's. We got to wrap up. Yes. Holy God, thank you for sending your son from above. Thank you for providing us a rebirth that comes from above. Thank you for living water and heavenly bread that come from above. Thank you for a kingdom that is from above above. Thank you for a spirit and your son and yourself that are from above and all the blessings that you've given us as we sit in the heavenly places, having been born into Jesus Christ by water and spirit. Bless us. Bless our understanding of this book that you had your servant John write and help us to draw closer to your son Jesus as we read it. It's through him we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.